Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 hello. One more out there. I'll give you a little extra one. I hope you're enjoying the new vibe from the uh, intro music that we're doing. It it always gets me kind of just in that right mindset, upbeat mindset, because I have a lot of business people. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of people who, you know, created different scale. I have to tell you, this is my first, I'm sure he'll blush, but this is my first like international superstar that we've got on the show today. And I'm super excited because we get all all too often, you know, sometimes we're like very serious in our business. And then a lot of times we have parts of business that we don't really think are business. (laughs) And it's an interesting blend because some of the same principles apply no matter if you've got a bake shop or you're, you know, you're a coach or you, you know, help people build systems or you're in marketing. There's still just these kind of business principles that apply, but what happens when both your your business and your background combine to create an entertainment opportunity when your business is entertaining people and your responsibility is not just to run your business but it's to entertain the world and that's what my guest has been doing my guest today is none other than master magician illusionist michael grandinetti now He's come a long way since uh, receiving his first magic set for Christmas. He performed his first show, actually, at the age of five. I don't know if he knew that, um, that that he was performing, but we're going to ask him. But, you know, his personality and style were introduced to the world, though, when he performed his original creation, The Spike Tower. I don't even want to know. On NBC television special, The World's Most Dangerous Magic. Now, he was covered in a mixture of gasoline and kerosene secured by chains. Now, he only had 60 seconds to escape before two walls of flaming, uh, like just reading this is crazy, flaming steel spikes were thrust toward him at over 50 miles an hour. Now, what's interesting here, right, not just the excitement of what I just said, but this special brought together seven illusionists from around the world. And Michael was only 21 at this time, which made him the youngest performer on this show. Now, you fast forward years later, he's been named by Entertainment Weekly as a great magician who can truly communicate with the TV audience. He's been featured and written up in Hidden Remote digital journal he's been on uh uh, masters of illusion for several multiple seasons on the cw pops don't blink um you think of it he's consulted on on the show bones the day show entertainment tonight i mean the list just goes on and on i really got a true superstar here today michael uh i could go on and on i know you're you're i know you're super humble so he's probably like red right now but michael thank you for joining the show today Corey. thank you so much it's absolutely fantastic to talk with you I know you're in the middle of a tour right now, so I'm glad to um, to have had this time for you to, to stop in. You know, I've known you for a few years. I've followed you for a few years. Um, we had the opportunity to to do a gig together, as as we like to say on the road, uh, to do a gig together um, where I was keynoting a, a, an event, and um, you were the featured entertainment, and we were in Hawaii. We had a great setting, and um, I was just 
odd. I mean, I'm not one of those people that is like, oh, I got to know how he did that. Like, I'm one of those people that just likes to enjoy the show. And, you know, you did some classic things like, you know, with, with, with the cards and but the, the, the suspending yourself. I mean, it was just one of those things that you always remembered, and I kind of took took it upon myself to say, "Hey, I'm going to befriend this guy," and and you were gracious enough where we can, you know, communicate in the same circles now. So thank you, you know, thank you again. Age five. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. You're very. Yeah. I did, not to interrupt, but I got to tell you what I remember from that from that show was I pulled you <laughs> up on stage, and you helped me with a piece of magic, and you were so much fun. <laughs> and you made even more than the magic your personality kind of made that routine in the show and that i always remembered so so you gave me that memory from that uh from that uh, event and i don't even know as i think back i never do stuff like that like truly like you know i it's well known that I'm an introvert in the general sense. I'm extroverted, obviously, when I'm speaking and and when I'm kind of quote unquote entertaining. Um, but I'm very introverted, so I I don't even know how you got me to do that because I never I'm that guy that like looks away when somebody's like, "Can I have a volunteer from the audience?" I I like start looking at my phone or my shoes or cough. I mean, it's like just something not to do it. So hats off to you. I must have been feeling really. We were in Maui, I think. Yeah, we were in Maui, so I. I must just in a good mood that night so uh um, so, so thank you for allowing me to be a part of it now oh you were great you were great so let's go back you know in your intro i talked about the age of five i can't tell you i know a lot of magicians but what i know from the history of it if i tell me if i'm right or wrong i know from the history of it and uh, and uh, observing it and reading some stuff that a lot of times generally it's something that people know very early on. I know we talked about five for you in your biography, but when I think about the history and things I've read, it's like they always knew that they were, they were drawn to that. Is that, is that true? Well, you know, I always tell people I'm very lucky that I found what I love to do so early on. I don't know if necessarily everybody finds kind of their passion in life that early. I think when you do, it's a gift. Um, Well, magicians though. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I've never heard of somebody going at 30, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to leave uh, my job at Chipotle, and uh, I'm just going to be a magician. Like, does it? Well, I think you're right. I think that, that does happen. But I also think that the majority of, you know, magicians get involved when they're younger because they'll, they'll have an experience like me where they'll get a magic set for Christmas or, I mean, it's very kind of uh, endearing for kids. It's a great hobby for kids to pick up for a lot of reasons. It's creative. It's social. So I think it, it, a lot of kids are drawn to it. So people who find it at a young age, I think they latch on to it uh, like me and they, and they they don't let go. Do you think that um... – or you think there's moments, cause, and we think about it in this pure essence of like entrepreneurship. I'll take this to like the speaking world. You know, often people, I'll hear stories, or even myself. I remember being younger and and watching like you know a Les Brown or Jim Rohn or someone like that speak and go, you know what, I can do that. Like we have that moment. Like you know, I could do that. Now I've been fortunate. You know, I've been training as a speaker. I was competitive since I was 14 years old in that area to just really be a good communicator. So it was one of those things early on for me. But do you find in your world, do, do people kind of, do you know people that have come up today? You've been around a while, but that have come up today that were like, or even for you, they were like, man, I, I saw, I saw, you don't remember this, but I saw you 10 years ago and I was in the audience and I knew that I could do it. And now here I am. Is that very common in your industry? Um, 
you know what? I think that most magicians will tell you that they've seen somebody or there was a performance of a magician that was one of the first performances that they saw. And it, to your point, it sparked something in their mind mm. where it kind of like lit that fire and it made them want to do just that, you know, and, and for me, it wasn't any one particular person, but I can remember watching magic as a kid and just being so, so drawn to it and, and just knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's what I want to do. But yeah, I think a lot of magicians will see somebody when they're just starting out and, and go, that's it. That's what I want to do. And most magicians will have that story of the first magic show that the show they saw or their first experience with it. Um, because it really, um, you know, it tends to be something that, uh, people in my business don't forget. Do you think I, I got so many, like, as you're talking, I'm, I'm just jotting down so many questions. I want to ask you, I hope you've blocked three hours today. We're like, I'm going to go oh. real Joe Rogan. <laughs> All kind of time for it. Ask me, ask me whatever you want, except for how the magic works. Other than that, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, darn. Now I knew something was, I knew something was going to be off limits, but like, so, so do you see like in my in my world, like especially on on the speaking circuit and the platform, you know, I I'll I'll listen to somebody. It's not that I want to be judgmental, but I have to be in a certain way just because I take this craft very seriously. So when I see people who you know are passing themselves off as speakers and really have no business occupying the platform, I'm like, you know, man, that 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 just wasn't any good. I'm just curious as to like in your world, you you have to have seen a show or maybe you're you're on with somebody. I I, I want some insights to how it works. Like, have you, do you look at a guy's show and just say, "Man, this guy needs to leave the business now"? Like, do you have those moments? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I I hope to to you know never have those moments. I, I think you know the more good magic that's out there the more that it helps the art form and the business of magic overall i do think that magic uh is very it's very easy to do poorly much like you know i, I i'll give you an example i was uh, performing with the symphony orchestra last week on on tour and um, I, we, the same subject came up, and I said, you know, magic is a lot like music, whereas you can give anybody can buy a violin, for example. Right. And, you know, if you don't put the time and the effort and the re rehearsal and the care into it, and the diligence into it over many years, it's going to sound awful. It's going to be horrible. Mm. But when you put that care and that, that, that practice into it, it's going to sound beautiful. And magic is much the same. I mean, you could buy, you know, a magic... Um, book or a prop, but it's really taking the time and the care and the effort to put into it to really make it work that, that counts. So, you know, you could tell, you can tell that in any art form, the performers who put that care in and the ones who just kind of want to hurry and get to the stage and get in front of people. But I always, you know, encourage everyone to put that care in because it, it's going to, nothing is better than watching an audience respond to something that you've worked hard at. So, mm, you know, it's yes. worth all the work you put into it. Yeah, for sure. So you get this, you get this magic set at five, you, you're starting to perform. I mean, what, what's the in-between like in, in between now today where you are having been on TV multiple times, having, I mean, I've seen you at, a, I mean, constantly doing NBA shows and halftime shows. And, you know, we were talking before we went live. I'm, I'm trying to get up to see you at one of your big casino events. What are some of the things that happened in between five and now as, and now. It, relates to, to, <laughs> as it relates to your pursuit of this? Because, I mean, this is just like I had a guy on who, you know, he spent 10 years, you know, be, 
being an actor, but never, but not, you know, I'm like, what have I seen you? And he's like, well, you know, nothing that you would know. Like, I, you know, he's like, uh, you know, I did a lot of stage, I did a lot of theater, but not, but like at some point he was like, all right, I got to go do something else. And, you know, he became CEO of this advertising agency, but that's, I mean, this, your world is kind of like that. Like, I mean, it's, it's a feast of famine world to a certain extent. I mean, unless you have like a residency or, you know, something like that. How do you how did you survive in those in those periods of, you know, getting your name where your name means something today? What, what are some of those experiences in your story that you could share with our listeners today? Well, that's, that's actually a really great question. Um, well, first of all, you know, tying back to one of our earlier questions was that you know, I'm lucky I started young. So I had a lot of time to mm. uh, before the real world came knocking. Right. To learn what I was doing and really grow with it and figure out what worked for me and what didn't work for me. You know, I had all the way, all the way through really college graduation to spend a lot of time studying and learning, you know, my craft and, uh, you know, all through, you know, junior high school and high school and college, I was doing shows. I'm originally from Pittsburgh and I was doing shows throughout Pittsburgh and, you know, helped put myself through college that way. And again, always learning. When I moved to LA right after college, you're really starting from zero. And you have to, you know, it's a lot of work. And I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be all in. You know, I'm not going to come out to L.A. and do it halfway. Right. I'm going to give everything to it. So that's what I did. Every waking moment was, was, was focused on building my business, getting the word out there, making sure my brand had a quality image to it, and really working 24-7. To this day, I still work 24-7. You know how it is when right. you're an entrepreneur. Right. It's right. not a nine-to-five. I mean, you really, really have to um, to work hard. And, you know, thankfully for me, after, after those initial years in L.A., uh, when I first started, and that's several, several years ago. Now, uh, now first started. Yeah. What does that mean? First start, like, are you at, like, the the local yokel cafe trying to do card tricks? What does that look like for getting first started? What, what are some of those nuances to that? Well, I mean, thankfully, when I moved to L.A., I had already had uh, the NBC special under my belt and some talk show appearances and some, you know, several live shows under my belt. So I wasn't starting from zero Okay. Uh, literally, but coming to LA, you it, you're moving to a new town. You're, you're a very small fish in a very big pond. Yes. Where everybody's trying to do the same thing. Yes. And yes, I had to, uh, you know an NBC show under my belt, but guess what? A lot of other people out here did too. So right. you really have to differentiate yourself. So I spent the first couple of years doing shows, you know, uh, and traveling, you know, not to the degree that I do today, on a much smaller scale but also really scheduling every meeting I possibly could here in town with producers, mm. with agents, with managers, anybody in the business to get myself in front of them and to basically pitch myself to them. And, you know, I, I think back to that time and it, it was, it was, you know, it was a great learning experience. I did a, a lot of stuff wrong and I learned how to do some more things right. And, mm. um, but again, that's, that's, that's really, you know, the process of it. You, I was really, Again, there was nothing that was going to give me off the path. I'll give you another example of what I did. I wanted to maximize my time working to build myself in L.A. when I first moved here. So I figured, okay, how do I put as much time into a day as I can? Well, I start getting tired around 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at mm. night. So I'm going to go to bed around that time, and I bet you I can get by on about four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep. So I would right. get up at 2.30, 3 in the morning. 
And I started doing that. I started going to bed at 11, getting up at 2.30 and working straight through. And it's exhausting. But I just wanted to, you know, push forward so badly that it didn't even matter. It's just what I had to do. But as the years go by, you make more and more contacts and things start to branch out. But the key is keep doing good work. The work eventually is going mm. to start speaking for itself. And then all the other contacts will kind of kind of line up. Right. In your world, it's pretty easy to determine if I like you or not. And what I mean by that is I can I mean, I can watch YouTube video. I can watch like, you know, your performances like somebody can see it. It's not a surprise. Like somebody hires you or brings you in or books you for a special or a show. It's not like they're getting an unknown. It's not. It's not a kind of a. It's not a secret work type thing, right? You know, I can, I see you floating in the middle of uh, you know, giant stadium or somewhere. I'm whether yeah. like, man, I like that's really cool. My, my audience is gonna like that, or they don't. And I think what's interesting here too, I want to get your perspective, is people. In entertainment, I think people default to viewing the entertainer just as that, as if you come out, do your show, and then you go just lay down and uh, until it's time to do your next show. But uh, not quite that way, correct? No. If only. You know, the, the show is, is the most fun part for me. I love, you know, that hour, that 90 minutes that I'm out on stage is some of the happiest time of my life. I just truly love it out there. But when that's done, you walk off stage and it's very, very much a business, very much right. a business. And I enjoy the business process too. Don't get me wrong. Oh. You know, it, it's a fun challenge to, to run a business, but it is, once the show is over, it's all about, you know, planning the next show, routing the tour, figuring out all the logistics, figuring out the creative elements of the show, the lighting, the staging, costuming music the personnel that you're going to hire for the show and and making new shows happen you know one of the things i love the most is figuring out ways to take magic into new areas whether it's one of the the halftime shows that you mentioned or the symphony shows that we're doing now or tv projects so you know it is the business side of stuff is a uh, enormously you know large and time-consuming part of all of this that behind the scenes piece, how do you create a structure to support everything you're doing? Like how, how many people are in the, the, the Michael Grandinetti ecosphere to make or ecosystem to make, you know, a show happen? Well, the, the planning stages of it, um, I drive that pretty much personally. I am so particular on how I want the shows to go. And every show we do is, is completely planned out from top to bottom. Uh, when we go out on the road, you know, even my, my team that travels with me, they'll get an itinerary that basically every hour of the trip is, you know, uh, planned out. So here's what we're going to be. Here's what we're, we're going to be doing during that time. And we always try and get, always stay on or ahead of that schedule. And from the creative standpoint, I am very particular in how I want things to look there too. doesn't mean that I won't brainstorm or welcome ideas. I certainly do. But once all those pieces are in place, you know, we'll travel with about five people and then we pick up in the production and the lighting people, the sound people, the stage managers in the venues that we're at. Mm. Um, and that's another, you know, 10 people plus there. But the, the kind of core of it, the start of it is basically, you know, me putting all the pieces together and, um, you know, kind of pushing it out there on the road. I mean, that's like a moving target because you're you're basically in a situation where you don't know the competency directly of some of the people that you have to rely on 
when you get to a particular venue or like you were saying, what skills have you had to take on, you know, other than being a phenomenal illusionist and magician, right? The core entertainment, but what skills have you had to learn from the entrepreneurship side to deal with these, deal with a variety of people and, 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 you know, deal with different, I mean, you have a lot of outlets on how you can get booked. You're, you're repped by different people. Um, you're rep, you know, even like in the speaker world, right. You have, you have agencies and what we call bureaus that, um, reach out to you, you know, that have clients to book you. How do you, what skills are you relying on and have you learned in that journey to make all of that work outside of your craft? Planning. Planning is the key to everything. Before mm. we get to a venue, everything is planned out. Um, again, even with, with the tech crew that we're going to meet there, you're right. You don't know, you know, when you when you get to a new theater, you don't know specifically who's going to be there. Now, yeah, some guy doesn't. He hates his job. He's like, ah, he's, ah, I gotta be here. Whatever. Who's this Grando? What? <laughs> I don't know. Just he's. You're my Thursday at eight guy, and I just want to get through you so I can get to the next person. Like you have to encounter. I mean, everybody's not enthusiastic and passionate about their job that you that you need i, I would presume well i mean th- there are people oh, like come on. That, but the, the, the majority i should have introduced I, you I, as like, a i should have introduced you as a politician i didn't <laughs> I, I didn't know senator uh granted was getting on you're you're too nice about this i know that there's a larry somewhere at the at constitution hall venue where you've had to rely on him or had to have a team meeting with the team you're going to be working with locally and larry's just like whatever man you, you're telling me you there's no larry out there that you've ever run into in all these years I will tell you this, probably, uh, it's probably 95% of the people have been great and 5%, you know, are people who would, you know, they're a little bit more challenging to work with. But most of the time, the people who are in these jobs, in the theaters, they're really professional. Uh, we right. just came from a theater up in Edmonton, Canada, uh, okay. two weeks ago. And it, they were, the theater crew there, as an example, they were fantastic. I mean, they were literally on point. They, they were doing stuff before we even asked them to. We, uh, last week we were in Stockton, Stockton California. Yeah. Same thing in Stockton, California, where we just came from. The theater crew yeah. was fantastic. Um, so thankfully, knock on wood here, um, you know, most of the crews that we've encountered uh, have been good, have been, have been excellent. But, you're, you know, you're right. You do. Every once in a while, you get to a place or a venue, and I think that happens in any business where, yes, you know, maybe somebody's having a bad day or they're not happy with their job, or and you could sense that, and it, it certainly makes it more more challenging on my end. But you don't have the advantage. The, the advantage you don't have is like you know we do events and we do some things. I my and my team, I know like you don't have the advantage of of a certain group, like you said, you travel with, with people who've worked with you before, but again, as you need to rely on some, some people unique to the location, you don't have that built in. People think like, I think my team, you know, last one of the events we did last year, one of our workshops, right. My, my team knows how I think. So I wasn't on the, I wasn't at the venue at 6am running around crazy to, you, you know, to make sure everything was fine because my team knows how I'm going to want something set up. They know that familiarity is there. So they know how to get the, how to get the entrance in the front room and how we want to recommend seating. Now, you know, we talked about, you know, pre-meet plan like you talk about, but you, you still have that situation where you have to get people 
you know, they may be professional, but there's still that customization to what does it take to make your show the best show it could be. Agreed? Yeah, I, for sure. And, and I think the key there is, is as a performer on my end and on my team's end, we have to be somewhat adaptable to the variances of different venues and different crews that we're working with. It's not major variances, but, you know, it, it's it, if something doesn't go 100% as expected, you know, I always try and have alternate routes that we could take to get to the same mm. end game. Um, everything we do, certainly from a magic standpoint, has alternate routes that we could take. But also from the, pro- the production and the logistics standpoint, there are kind of ways that we could adjust if need be to still make things work. And that just comes from experience on the road, traveling for so many years. Mm. And, you know, experiencing times where early on something went wrong and you go, okay, we can't let that happen again. What are we going right. to have in our back pocket so that if that happens again, this is what we're going to do. And the goal is never for the audience, never to ever suspect you've ever gone to a plan B ever, mm. you know? So it's, it's, again, it comes down to that word planning that I mentioned. Try, we try and, and you learn every show. I think most performers, not only in magic, but in any uh, entertainment medium will, will tell you no matter how long they're in the business, they're learning every show that they do. And that's the attitude I take with it. You know, you, you can't ever say, you, you know, I welcome every show to, you know, walk away with something new because it's just going to make the next show even smoother than that. So, you know, that's kind of where my head is on it. And it's helped us. Well, well you don't want to be, yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to be the, um, the the woman in your show that has to stay sawed in half for the rest of her life, right? Because something went wrong. You know, <laughs> well, so I'm an equal opportunity magician. I cut the man in half too, and I cut myself in half. I cut myself in half. To be fair, Just to be good fair. answer, good <laughs> man. You, for the rest of the show, you for the rest of the show, you are diplomat Michael. Okay, you just, <laughs> I'm on. I'm on everybody with the with the nicest uh, magician and illusionist that anybody has ever met. You said Pittsburgh. My mom's from Pittsburgh. You sound like you're from Canada though, because you're so nice about everything. <laughs> You know what? They are extremely nice up there. I always tell them every time I go up there, they're so friendly. That's that's that is so true. And what I gotta ask you, not to take over here. What part of Pittsburgh is your mom from? Well, they were they're, they're like Pin Hills, Pin Hills, and that whole area. That is so funny. I know I know it well, and I I've always said that no matter where I'm in the country, I meet somebody who has a Pittsburgh connection, and you just yeah. you proved it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And my fam- a bunch of my family still lives there. My sister, my sister lives there, and and my brother lives there. Out in uh, um, Latrobe somewhere. I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I think that's what it's called. So, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I was there. I, I joke. I'm like a a Chardé record. A Chardé record. She releases a, an album every ten years. So I go back every like ten years for something. Um, renew vows, everything. And I, I actually stayed in Pittsburgh. Amazing what they've done downtown. Like um, there's that um, Fairmount there that I stay at, and it's just a fantastic that whole little area that they've done. People are out there in the middle of the square, like doing yoga on Saturday morning, and really, really amazing what they've done in Pittsburgh. Well, let me tell you something about Pittsburgh. You're, you know, uh, this then this plays a. You bring up a, an interesting point here. This plays a key part into how I'm able to do what I do today. You know, when I was mm. just starting out, uh, growing up in Pittsburgh, the community. Obviously, my family was tremendously supportive, but the community was so supportive where I grew up. I mean, they would mm. hire me at 13 and 14 to do, you know, company company events. And wow. I look back on it now and I go, 
okay, that's that's got to be rare that, that a company of, you know, adult executives are going to hire this 14-year-old kid to come in and entertain them. And But they, they, right. they were giving me that kind of encouragement, and they treated me like I was a professional, not like I was a kid doing magic. Right. And so when you, when you grow up with that, that gives you the confidence and the motivation to keep pushing forward. So, you know, I, 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 it would be, you know, negligent of me not to say that that didn't have a huge impact uh, mm. on letting me push forward in that, as you asked before, what got me from five to later in life. And, and certainly, right. you know, everybody, everyone back in Pittsburgh played a huge part in that. Was there ever a moment for you where, where you were like, can can I really do this or can I really sustain my life like doing this and, and from a lifestyle standpoint and, you know, can can I actually make this work or second guess that? No, I can honestly no. tell you without a shadow of a doubt, there was never a, never a second, you know, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't overconfidence. It was just determination. You know, mm. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't um, know how easy or how difficult it was going to be, but it didn't matter. As long as I got where I wanted to go, I was going to keep pushing. And, you know, you look back on stuff and you, it's even, you know, when I graduated from college, I got in a car and, and uh, my dad and I actually drove to, to Los Angeles and I had nothing lined up. I didn't even have a place to stay. I figured I'll get a place when I get out of here. And I had, you know, no shows lined up out here. I just did it. I just did it, and, and I look and I think, boy, that was—I don't even know if I would do that today. But right. you know, I, it, there was no question. It was just, I want to pursue this, so I'm gonna—I'm gonna give it my. I never wanted to say what if. What mm. if I would have tried this? What if I would have worked harder? What if I would, right. you know? And that way, no matter where I get in in relation to my goals, I can be content, and that's what I wanted. Well, so let me let me ask you this putting it in practical entrepreneurship business world, right? So, you know, there's a ton of accountants, there's a ton of lawyers, right? There's no, there's no shortage of that. Um, I have to imagine the, the magic world, there are lots of players in the space, right? Yeah. Um, lots Correct. of options. So from a marketing standpoint, from a standing out, which every company has to do to, to be successful, how did you how did you sit down and look across this sea of of magicians and illusionists and people in your field and say how how can i ensure that i'm the guy on masters of illusion and i'm the guy that's on on tv i'm the guy that they're picking me more often than that 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 i'm booked as much as i want to be what are some of the, the strategies and tactics you've had to do to uh to stand out in in this game Great question. So I think there's multiple answers to that. I think first, first of all, um, you have to do great work, you know, and I, you know, I'm not calling my work great. I'm just saying you have to aspire to do, you know, I thought it was great. To, I'll, I'll call it great, but go ahead. Oh, that's, I appreciate that very much. You have to aspire to do, you have to aspire to do great work. You have to aspire to do the best work that you possibly can. Um, you know, I won't put something in front of an audience or on stage until I feel it's ready. They're not going to see a piece of magic that's kind of halfway ready. So I was very, very caring in what I shared with the audience. And I always wanted to give them what I hoped to be a great experience. And it was all about giving the audience a great experience. What's going to give them something 
so that when they're walking out of a theater and they're driving home or leaving one of our halftime shows or leaving one of our symphony shows or even watching one of our TV shows, what's going to give them a memory that they're going to go, that they're going to be talking about afterwards. And I think that is key is giving them an experience that's going to stick in their mind. Then you're going to stick in their mind. Um, that's important. But again, it comes down to, to, doing the best work you possibly can, number one. Number two, it's being sincerely who you are. One thing, there are a lot of magicians out there, a lot of people who, you know, do magic. So there's professional magicians, there's people who do it as a hobby, but there's a lot of people involved in magic out there. The right. one thing everybody has going for them that nobody can, can take away is, is themselves. You know, you put your own spin on the magic. I've always said that, you could watch 10 magicians pick up the same piece of magic and you're going to see it performed a little bit differently. And mm. I think the key to really making it work is sincerity, being sincere um, with who you are and being yourself out there. Audiences know when they're watching somebody who is themselves on stage. And I think that lets audiences connect with whoever the performer is and the same, you know, respect audiences know when someone's kind of either phoning it in or not, really being real up there. And I think that builds a wall up in front of the audience. So uh, learning to be yourself and, and making that connection with the audience so they care about you as a performer mm. is key. You know, when we do that spike escape where you, where you mentioned where I'm chained up and these spikes are coming in at me, we do that at the end of the show. And if I've done my job correctly, hopefully by that point, the audience feels like they know me as a person and they care. They don't want to see me get, you know, uh, hurt by these spikes. And so right, I think right, that right. Is, that's really important as well. So it's kind of both the, the person as the performer and the product is the magic, I think, tie together. And, and doing that in your own unique way is what really differentiates yourself from, from, you know, everybody else. At the end of the day, it's about the feeling you get from that performer that really is what really counts. And, and I think that's what differentiates the person, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, so within that business, right? I mean, you there's marketing, there's sales. It's just the same thing that's in the the same way that the the that the Fortune 500 needs to drive business. How, how have you found balance in being on the road? Like you're on tour now. Like I mean, you got a bunch of dates, and uh, I think you just added some more dates. H how are you managing? The, the business aspects of how money comes in, how money goes out, how, how you, you know, how your business pays its bills, how you use systems and people. How, what, what are some of the, the, the back office, as I like to call them, things that you've created as a structure for making your business run while you're literally running around uh, the globe? Well, it's, you know, as the person who manages the business, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm personally on top of, of all of it. When we're on the road, when we're on tour, as we are, you know, throughout the spring, I'm monitoring, you know, everything. I really, really, and this isn't necessarily the best way to do it, but this is how I do it. I'm hands-on. Yeah. I really, I am not a, like an automated kind of kind of guy. I'm not okay. a delegating kind of guy on certain things. I really, what gives me the comfort level to do all this is, being hands-on with all of it. Um, that creates a very full schedule, but it also gives me the ability to manage it and the peace of mind to know that things are getting done how I want to, to get I mean, them done. I mean, like, are you log like you're logging into Wells Fargo? Like, 
is my money where's my money at like did they pay me my money today like is that <laughs> when you say you're involved yeah. like literally. i'm watching everything i'm okay. watching everything for sure for sure and again some people have different systems they're, they're, it's automated they have people manage that for them yes <clears throat> you know and whatever i always say whatever works for that person's style is is fine but for me who do you, you know, rely on I, who do you I rely sleep on at night because i've yeah i sleep at night because i know that i've watched all the details of, of everything and, and to me that's very mm. important who do who do you rely on on a regular basis who do i rely on yeah on a regular basis like your well, accountant your assistant your you know like who do you who do you rely on to to, to make things work I would say the people I rely on the most when we're on the road certainly are the people that I have on my team because when I'm out there performing, you know, they're, they're managing the show from backstage and mm-hmm. making sure everything gets taken care of and brought on and taken off and, you know, handled properly. And, and, um, that's completely relying on them because I, again, I'm out in front of the audience. My hand, it's kind yeah. of hands. That's probably the only point where I'm hands off and I really can't control what's going on. Um, so, so like, but, so like, do you great. literally like you you like get off the stage and then and then you got to go do payroll? Like, I mean, is that <laughs> is is that how it is? Like, you know, what's the what's the backstory there? Well, I mean, so when a show is over, you know, I, I, we'll do meet and greets with the audience, and yeah. you know, it's all about the audience uh, until until they're you know on their way uh, you know home from from wherever the show is. Um, and then it's about managing the show itself, whether we're resetting for the next show or loading out to go to the next town. Um, and then it's about my people making sure that, you know, they're taken care of after a long day of work, whether it's making sure that they um, get a little extra time at the hotel if they can or mm. making sure everybody gets a good meal after the show because they've worked hard and they deserve to, you know, recharge and, and have have some, you know, comfort after all of that work. And then, once all of that is over, the final hours of the day for me are doing just that, going through everything, kind of making notes on what happened, what worked, what may not have worked, um, mm. looking at the business elements of everything, um, making sure everything is in place from the show we just did and then going into the next show, you know, and, and, and making and trying to get a start on whatever the next day is going to be so I can get up and I always say, you know, as many people do, I hit the ground running. So when I can lay that foundation before I go to sleep at night, I try and do that. So the last hours of the day when we're on the tour are right. managing those business elements. Now, are you still doing this 11 to 2 sleep schedule? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Thankfully, no. I couldn't keep up the, the performing schedule that I do on on those kind of hours. I mean, it was it was exhausting to the point right. where you know people would people would look at me and go, "Are you are you tired?" Cause you start to look tired, you know? And so it, it's not, and I don't want to, you know, when I go out and those were my early years in LA, I mean, yeah. you know, 15, you know, beyond 15 years ago, but, but when you go out in front of an audience, it's really important to me that, um, I'm at, you know, a hundred percent and I can give them 200%. I want to be well rested. Right. I want to be clear of thought, you know, if they've made their decision to buy a ticket and spend their time to come and see the show, that I'm doing, that, we, that we're doing, I want them to have a great time and I'm going to give them 200%. So that involves, you know, I, I, I'm very, on a very strict health regimen. I exercise. I'm on a strict diet. Ooh, I like what? Sure what, are you, what are you doing? Like, what's your, give me your secrets. My secret. Well, <laughs> not much of a huge secret, but I'm in the gym five days a week. 
And, you know, my, my diet is all healthy foods, nothing processed, is as organic as possible, uh, no salt, no sugar, no caffeine. I don't drink. No salt, I don't no sugar, alcohol. no caffeine. Yeah, and I don't smoke. I never have. Again, I've never, I've never even, you know, uh, never even had a beer. Not, I'm, I've nothing against it. It's just, for me, I just, I just want to stay so focused on everything I'm doing, anything that could distract or take away from the work that I could put into what I do. I don't okay. Really do, so so yeah. now, like, are you, you're that guy at the restaurant that's like, all right, I'm going to order this, but I don't want any, don't shake it. I don't want any salt on it. I don't want any, don't, I don't want any seasoning on this. Just bring me the chicken, like, and lay it there. Like, you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, seasoning's fine, but okay. I definitely, I definitely, you know. Um, no dessert for you. Yeah, I definitely watch what I eat because, you know, when you walk out on stage, you know, whether it's your, you know, your, I think it's even your energy level. You, you, they could see when you're feeling good. And the minute the audience gets a sense of who you are, they make a judgment about you. So, Correct. you know, True. I would make sure that my energy level is is immediately up and ready to connect with the audience. And, and they don't see somebody who's dragging. So it all ties together, the diet, the exercise making sure you get enough rest. I, I still probably don't get enough sleep is, is what may be recommended because of the workload. Mm. It's very hard to sleep on the road when you're traveling and you're doing all this stuff. But, yep. Uh, yep. but that said, I, I make an effort. I make an effort because again, I never want to have the product suffer for people who've you know, made a choice to be there to, to again, see the show. Right. So the big taboo in your world, right, is, you know, never re you can't never reveal the never reveal the trick or the illusion or the magic. And, you know, that that's kind of the big thing. But I have two questions, two, two personally driven questions. One is, do you look at other shows and know what they're doing? Like, I mean, is that a thing in your circle? Like if you're if you're looking at somebody else's show and you're like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, well, clearly I can see he probably does it this way. Like, is that, and then, and then like, do magicians like hang out together? And what is that like? Well, I think to answer your first question, and again, I, going back to the symphony shows that we're doing now, I was talking to the conductor of, of one of these, the symphonies last week it was, and he said to me, you know, I can't watch another symphony perform without analyzing what they're doing. Right. And magic. Like I do with a speaker. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah. I think anybody who's in that, uh, in any type of, in, in any type of field, I think you can't shut that switch off in your head where you're kind of going to, you know, analyze it and, and right. really look deeply at what's going on. You know, I wish I wish I could shut off the magician switch. Oh, so that's a and, so that's a yes, diplomat, uh, uh, Michael. That's a yes. You do. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't not. I, but let me okay. say this: nothing is better as a magician than in those instances where you're surprised by something and you're amazed by something because you, you know you, it's very rare as a magician. I think any magician will tell you this um, to have that feeling. So I welcome I welcome that. So it's hard not to watch a show and. And you know, analyze it though. Very hard. Now, 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 are you like, um, now, will you be like working on something new and 
Like, I mean, how do you guys communicate? Like, will you just like, oh, let me let me call Copperfield and, and see what he thinks about what I'm working on. Like, how does that how do you guys interact together? Um, because like if I'm some if I'm in like a town, I mean, you know, like I did something in Tampa. I have a good buddy, um, you know, who's a speaker and coach that lives in Tampa. I say, hey, man, I'm coming to town. Hey, come out and talk to my guys. He, he, he pops over. We'll, we'll talk to my audience. It was because it was my event or. Or hey, I'm coming to town. Do you want to grab lunch? And we grab lunch and catch up. Do, do, do your circles work the same? I think at times, you okay. know, I, I think at times. Or do I you all not like each other? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I think I think magicians. I I love to you know compare notes and to talk magic with uh, with magicians. When I go to get something built, for example, I will uh, you know I'll go to one of, the, one of the builders who build my equipment and we'll talk magic for quite a long time. And, and it, it, I enjoy it very much. So that, that certainly exists. Um, but for me and how I work, um, you know, I, I stay so focused on what the project is at hand. There's, there's really not a lot of, you know, outside influence or discussion with, you know, it, it's kind of like a, if I want to do something, I, I kind of quarantine myself and focus mm-hmm. on it and drill down deep into it. And again, that's just how I work. But I know, you know, there are definitely others in the field who, their process is much more collaborative and they're talking with many, many others in the field. And so it can kind of happen. It certainly can happen both ways, but from an enjoyment standpoint, do I love talking with other magicians? And, and, and absolutely. I mean, it just, you know, it's a rare pleasure for me because I don't get a chance to have those kind of conversations um, as often as I'd like. Do you get tired? I'm going to force before this, before you're done today, I'm going to get you to say like something that is, I'm going to make sure that I get some kind of definitive, not um, Switzerland answer out of you on something. So I'm going to keep plugging away (laughs) until I get there now. Okay. So here's one. You got to tell me, you got to tell me with honesty that you have to get tired after all these years of, I mean, like, people just don't get it you don't tell your you just you don't tell how you do it that's that's it's not like somebody's going to catch you on a wednesday after a show and just go oh man that was great come on you gotta tell us today and you're gonna be like oh you know what today's the day i'm gonna reveal my magic i know you get asked this question all the time and you cannot tell me and all of our listeners across the world by the way we're in india the uk we're canada you can't tell me that that doesn't like you're not like Man, why do you keep asking that question? I'm never going to tell how I do this. <laughs> so I don't get tired of it. And, but, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't I'm hanging up on you, Michael. Hanging <laughs> up. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I remember when I was starting out, I wanted to know, too. I wanted to know everything that I could. But here's what people don't realize. And, and this is why I don't get tired of it, because I know they don't real, most people don't realize this. They think it's going to be more fun if they know. I know it's going to be more fun if they don't know. When you know the secret to the magic, it is not, it doesn't make you go, oh, I feel so great for knowing. That's fantastic. This is, I'm so glad I know. It makes you go, oh, wow, right. being amazed with so much more fun. Right. So they, they think that they're going to get more out of it than they are. So I could see why they're asking. They think it's some. Um, you know, you know, earth shattering revelation that's going to change their life because you can't fathom what would make some of this stuff actually happen. But again, when you realize that it's, that it's all based in, you know, 
like everything, it, 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 it's based in logical techniques. There's that disappointment level there. So, you know, I always say when people find the secrets of magic, they're not harming the magician, they're harming themselves because feeling amazement is truly rare, especially nowadays. So that was an honest, that, that was, that was a, straight, okay. a very straightforward answer for you. Come on. Is there, is there, is there a secret society of, of magic? Like, like in now you see me like the movie, is there a secret society? Not secret, but there are magicians clubs. Uh, there's one in here in LA and there's several national organizations. There's several worldwide organizations where magicians of whether they're professionals or hobbyists, they get together and they just enjoy the camaraderie of, of, you know, they share, they share ideas and they perform for each other. Yeah, that certainly, certainly exists. Not like in the movies where it's used for, you know, uh, <laughs> diabolical uh, purposes. Plots. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think magicians truly enjoy each other's company. Um, you know, there's a certain type of person that gets involved in magic. And I think it tends to be somebody who is, um, creative, somebody who's analytical, you know, somebody who surprisingly, surprisingly, uh, can be introverted. I know I certainly was when I got, mm. and I still am shy. I tell people, you yeah, know, I tell yeah. people I can be shy. They're surprised. Um, they don't believe it. Same with me. Yeah. When I'm like, I'm yeah. an introvert, they look at me like I'm full of crap. <laughs> no, it, it, it's very true. You know, when I'm off stage, if you drop me into the middle of a room of people I don't know, uh, I would not be talk. the guy working that room. No, that's, that's yes, surprising. I'm the same you. way. I would I'm think the, you'd be. That's I know. Now you know how it is. <laughs> Absol well, absolutely what, not. Yeah, I mean that's that's obvi obviously then how we connected out there in Hawaii because we're the same type of same type of person. But yeah. people don't understand that there's a but but there's something about performing that yes. lets. You, I think that it attracts people who are introverts because it gives you a chance. To be to be to be that extrovert, and I'll tell you this much too. I I, I feel it's easier for me, and you tell me if this is like this for you too. It's easier for me to perform for people that I don't know. If it's a bunch of friends and family, which I still love performing for, right. um, I know that they know that there's a dichotomy between I'm quieter in real life versus yeah. the guy who's, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm still me on stage. The person on stage, it, I don't play a character. It's the same guy you have on the phone right here. But again, I'm more, you know, quiet and reserved in my, in my life. So I, I will tell you, and, and I will tell you that for me, my, so, I, I always describe this, and I and I, and I, don't, I mean, I'm not a big ego. I'm not. I don't carry a big ego around. People know me know this. I have some kind of natural, God-given ability to come up with information, or curate information, or deliver information um, in a way that's very, very easy for me. So, one of the things that's always scary for me with with an audience or especially peers or colleagues, like if I'm on, like, like I'm a member um, of the, you know, speakers association for my chapter. And sometimes I'll lead certain things is I always feel like, Oh my God, what if this information, what if everybody hates it? Because it was so natural for me. Like there are people who are like, they have to do something. They're preparing like 10 hours and 20 hours. And you know, they're under all this immense pressure to make sure it's right. And then I just have some ability to, to like break something down really quickly. So things that people think I've prepared weeks and months for the secret is out 
is sometimes it's hours <laughs> okay. or, or or not at all. So when whenever I'm with peers, I always have this feeling in the back of my head, like because I didn't put in, you know, 20 hours getting ready to do X, I always have this fear like, man, what if it's not good? And I'm always I don't I've never bought into my own hype about things. So I'm I'm always amazed. We're like, man, that was great. And I'm like, in my mind, it's almost like, man, and that was just that it's scary because that was like what I came up with in 30 minutes. That means you should have the confidence because that means that you're yeah. doing exactly what you're meant to be doing. That means yeah. you're a natural fit for what you're doing. Yes. And that's, yes. that's great. I agree. And I think that goes back to like what you talked about being early on, like when I was 14 is when I really started studying the business of like communicating. And I think when I was competing in things like extemporaneous speech, you learn how because in those competitions, they give you a topic and you have like 90 minutes to come up with a speech and then come back and then you compete. So it's like. You know, it's like, okay, we want you to talk about the, you know, impact of uh, China on the economy. And you have 90 minutes to go to, to go in a room and, you know, you can research stuff and, you know, jot down different things. But you really have to come back and then go. So I think that's part of, you know, I often talk about, you know, your, your, your natural gifts. You got to pour gasoline on them. So you got to put skill to some of your natural gifts to really, really get that effect. So. Um, I find it interesting, though, that that you said that. And I think that's probably a byproduct of just knowing you have to see those people again. Right. So <laughs> and, you know, you, if, you, if you go out and, and your your family's in the audience or whomever, like you're performing and then, you know, you're going to see them later or you got to see them again. So you kind of have that, you know, I want to make sure this is good. I think the same thing with my peers. I know that next month I'm going to see them at the meeting. So if I suck today for some reason, I don't want to have that that reputation but the other thing i had a guest on dawn brooks gullah she's a master networker like that's her business and one of the things she said when i had the conversation about being extroverted is she said one of the reasons that extroverts actually make the best communicators is because they're inherently the best listeners hmm. very interesting very and, and that makes perfect sense Yes. Yeah. And I thought um, I, I thought that was super powerful. So that makes a lot of sense. And it's almost a see if you if you feel the same way. It's an energy thing. Like I give my energy to a client. I give my energy to an audience. So it's like I turn off when I'm when I don't have to do that or I'm not doing that, which which as a byproduct makes me kind of retract and introverted in that way. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, I think you definitely save the energy for the audience for sure. I mean, yeah. even when we when we you know do rehearsals, I you know we're very precise with with the movement of things. But as far as the performance of things, right. you know, you, you try and reserve all that so that you can give that full energy to the audience. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think I think you do. You walk off stage and and um, you know, but I think it's great. I think, I think being the, the to your point, being more on the introverted side allows you to reserve that energy to it's not all expended off stage. I can't imagine, you know, going at full throttle off stage and then walking out <laughs> on stage and you, you know, you'll be, you know, you'd be exhausted before you even got there at least. But right. some people can do that. Everybody's different. I, I know a guy he's jacked, he's jacked all day long and like, and, and like high on life. Like, I don't think I'm at, I don't think he, you know, <laughs> is stimulated in any other way, but, um, but he's just, if, 
if he call, if he called me at eight in the morning, he's just as jacked at eight in the morning as he is like at nine at night. And you're right. Some people, some people are in that, in that environment that just never was something that was natural to me. But, but let me ask you this. How do you handle the pressure of reinvent? Like, you know, your, your show five years ago, isn't the show it is today. How do you handle the pressure of having to, uh, a stay relevant and kind of continue to to push the envelope. You know, it's not pressure to me. I, that's part of my job mm. that I love. I love that. I mean, so you know, my business is magic. My my hobby is magic. So you know, <laughs> it's it's like when the business is. If I need to unwind, <clears throat> where some people do something completely different, I will pull out a very old magic book and start reading it. And it's like it, it's like I unwind from magic with magic. It sounds kind of strange, but yes. but by doing that, my, I'm always looking up new things. I'm always either reaching into the past and, and trying to find the spark of an idea, or it's always about you know finding that next spark of an idea. And it is tremendously exciting. I enjoy it when you find something that you go, oh wait a minute, this this. I have an idea here, and I think this could be really interesting for an audience. It, it feels great, and the process of, of developing that feels great. And I try and put about five or six new pieces into my show every year, and for me, that is, next to performing, one of the most enjoyable things that I do. So in no pressure at all, I love I love that process. So so you never feel like, um, boy, you're so zen. Uh, you, you never feel like, you know, I... Um, you know, well, so so and so did this over here, and he he susp- he put himself in a block of ice, and now I need to come up with like, how does that world work? Like when when I think of some of the when I think of some of the magicians that pop in our head that you know um, have have had mainstream appeal or whatever. So you know, I I've had to go out to Vegas a ton in my life for for conferences and things. So I think about people that have had residencies out there. How do you? How do you view those kind of opportunities? Like, is that a goal? Like, man, I wish I could be at Mandalay Bay um, and just do shows every night for, you know, for the next six months. What, what, where do you, you know, what, what drives you in terms of the goal? And when you look at that, or you know, so and so's got an ABC special, you know, prime time, and you know, he's hanging from the Eiffel Tower upside down or something. What, what do you think about those types of things in your world? Well, first of all, you know, I really don't look too much at what other people are doing. I knew you were going uh, to say something like, no, I just it's, knew it's, it. It's, I knew no, it. <laughs> it. But it's true. It's true. You know, you, what you have to do, in my opinion, and I would advise anybody of this, you know, compete with yourself tremendously. You know, you have to stay relevant in the marketplace for sure. But right. compete with yourself. That my, my, I am my, my main competition. And so, you know, I've built up a resume of things that I've done to this point, and I look at that, and every year in January, I go, okay, how am I going to top that? What am I going to do this year? And, you know, so I'm, I'm chasing down myself <laughs> very hard, trying to make every year better than the last. And, you know, when you do that, I think that really allows you to focus on what you're doing and not look, you know, not be affected by external stuff nearly as much. But from a goal standpoint, you know, yes, television is, is, you know, a major goal to keep pushing forward in that direction. Um, a residency, you know, I've done a couple of those. We were in Reno, Nevada mm. for 
three months one summer, and that's nice because you know basically you're just you know going to the theater every night and doing the show. You don't have to worry about the travel right. or the logistics, and that's wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. So having a residency is something that I would you know love to do more of. And I enjoy the traveling. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy seeing different cities. Uh, you know, in four days I leave for Knoxville, Tennessee, and I've never been there before. And mm. so I'll get to see a new city and meet new people and, you know, take my magic to a theater where I've never been in before. And, and, and that I love. As long as every year is growing better than the last and I'm continuing to take my magic to audiences, that's what matters, you know, most to me. It's not about trying to one up, you know, any other person out there. It's continually right. trying to beat myself. And that that's for real. And and that again, that's that's I think when you do that, you're going to grow faster uh, regardless anyways. Okay, you uh, last question then we're going to go to your craziest entrepreneurship moment and okay. and uh and, and do some trivia questions. Uh, I'm I'm taking another shot at this here. I'm going to come at it another way. Um, okay. And listen, I, I met. I, I joke with you. I applaud your authenticity. I, I, I truly do, and I, I, I believe it. I believe it's a hundred percent, you know, genuine in, in your answers. But I'm going to come at this another way. Now, you have to agree that damn a sales guy. I always start there. You have to agree, right? You have to agree that right. <laughs> you have to agree that there are some people in your space that are not nice that are not necessarily concerned about the audience there are some people that have, that have that have kind of a a douchebag reputation okay in your in your industry and that that affects or would you say that that can affect also people's perception of your industry as a magician as an illusionist when somebody has bad experiences with those people i'm not naming any names but there are some people who just it's publicly kind of known that they're not very nice people and does it and does it shape does it shape a person's perception of of your business oh, absolutely so Come magic on. more than yeah magic more than other so if you see a comedian and you don't find the comedian funny you're not going to go, I don't like comedians. If you see a musician hit a, a wrong note, you're not going to go, eh, I, don't like, I don't like piano. But there's something in magic where if you see a couple of magicians who aren't, you know, who haven't put that care in that time and, or, or really aren't presenting it, you know, as properly as they should, I found that there is more of a kind of a, you're, you're, you're likelier to go, I don't, I don't like magic. And it's strange right. because, you know, no one performer in any art form is representative of the art form as a whole. But there does seem to be that generality in magic that exists. And it has for a long, long time. It's nothing new. But whereas if somebody has one or two bad experiences, they think that's what, what everything is. And you have to combat that. You know, you have to – it's about doing good work, and it's about, again, showing that, you know, magic is, is – is a very, very top quality art form. Um, and, you know, I've had people come to our shows to say that, you know, I've never really liked magic. Boy, we had fun at your show. And boy, we liked the magic. It's, mm. it's, it's different than what we expected. It's more, and that tells me that they, they previously had probably the wrong experience with it before. So they had a pre preconceived notion, but it's funny only in magic. Do you really see that? You, I haven't, seen that in any other art forms which is kind of odd i'm not sure exactly why that is to be honest with you 
Now I bet you if I rattle if I was rattling off names that you would go, Oh yeah, I know yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's a jerk. I'd find somebody yeah. that you would you wouldn't say it on air. I'm not even gonna try, but I know that you would come out, <laughs> yeah, he he really gives us deal a bad name or yeah. Cause I, I will tell you, I tell people all the time, now in my life where I have where, where I'm starting to have access to amazing like amazingly known people and and like my circle expands i'm definitely afraid of meeting quote unquote my heroes um because i feel like i've had experiences where i'd much rather like i'm sorry i did like i would have much rather viewed them as i viewed them than actually seen them in more of their private life or um and i remember in particular I, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I was recording some content uh, at a studio where, you know, Tony Robbins and, and a lot of famous people have done content. Damon John, a lot of these guys who are on a, on our tra- a training platform that we all use. And I remember the guys telling me that, you know, and I'm talking about Tony Robbins here, that he had just, you know, been there, you know, before. And, you know, a lot of people were upset and kind of how he treated people and how he was, how kind of he was acting and, you know, different little quirks. And he like fired some guy and then rehired him after embarrassing him. And it was like, man, I really wish you wouldn't have told me that because I really just want to view this person how I view them. And I, I think, you know, in your world too, where there's d- different levels of fame, you know, there's uh, magicians I'm sure who've never been on TV who wish they can get on TV where you've been on a million times. There's different levels um, of where maybe you see somebody and go, that guy's, he's really not even a good person. Like, uh, so I know you might not be comparing yourself, but you'd at least say there's some people in your world that like maybe aren't as nice as they could be or as respectful of their audience as maybe they should be. You'd at least say that, right? I think that exists everywhere, inside and outside of magic. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. I, I love you. I love you. Everywhere. All right, we're, we're, I, I give up. We're moving on. As a bit of um, as as a bit of fun, though, I've been on your website while we've been um, recording, and I actually found three pictures from Maui that are on there in your photo gallery. So it it, it kind of like uh, it took me back. I think I can see my little head in one of them. Uh, there, I think but, you uh, are in one of them. Yeah, yeah, just a fun fact. (laughs) So, so pivoting to um, the part of our show where we talk about, I refer to it as the craziest entrepreneurship moment. You can, you mean, you can just refer to it as maybe just a crazy moment on the road, a show, something that happened that afterwards you were like, "Man, that was crazy." What, what, What comes to your head when you think about that? Well, there are two things, and both of them, are, they go way, way back. I mean, it's not so okay. much being on the road, but when I was first, when I first moved to L.A., um, one of them we talked about, which was trying to, you know, get by on zero sleep so that I can maximize my time. Um, right. But another thing that I used to do was I would literally, you know, when I moved to L.A., it was just when everything started to go online. So not, I mean, not a lot of, the internet was kind of, it, it was around, but it, we certainly don't have the reach and, and the accessibility that we have today, right? Mm. So people were still sending out DVDs and even like VHS tapes. Right. So I would literally pull all-nighters. I'm not, I'm not talking getting like four hours of sleep. I'm talking all-nighters. And I would build four to 500 press kits uh, on myself. I would hand up all the videos myself on two VCRs that I had. I would type and print, you know, all of my bios and all of my press kits, put them all together, 
somebody who saw my, you know, my, my place, it, it doesn't look like where somebody lives. This looks like an assembly line in here. Mm. Um, and I would fill garbage bags, garbage bags, and uh, with these press kits and take them to the post office and, and mail them out. I mean, and I did that several times a year. Mm. Um, and I think of, and, and to me, that, that, you know, I think of, you know, the just blatant determination that I had to just try and do whatever it took, but also it kind of makes me laugh at, boy, how things have changed, how you just really don't have to do that now. I mean, right. at the touch of a button. And you still got to hustle. Right, I mean, you still got to hustle because I will tell you, like, you know, at the beginning here with us, um, just a per from a personal standpoint, you know, we, I mean, we have a whole system now, but it was, I mean, we still do mail. We still do, you know, especially for my speaking business, we still do mail event planners and people, you know, a, a, a physical kit. And we put a little something special in there to get them to pay attention to it. But then we use technology to then say, okay, here's the next 15 things we want to happen. And we want this email to go out. We want this video of me speaking over here to go out. We want this. So I get, definitely it's, it's still a combination, right, of the – of um you know, of the play of, of getting yourself out there, but how you can use technology and kind of blend it, quote unquote, old school, new school. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the volume of the work has not decreased, but it's just you, it, the, the physical nature of having to put these physical yeah. items together, uh, you know, certainly has changed, but we used to the volume e of the work you have to do is still yeah. uh, there. And I will say, I mean, to a much you know, larger degree because there are so many more contacts out there these days than, than there mm. ever was. You know, uh, I'll tell you another funny quick story here yeah. about performing at the White House. You know, my business. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. I love how you just glossed over. Like, I love I love people who bury the lead, as they say in media. Like, oh, you know, let me tell you real quickly. Uh, when I went to the White House and like, <laughs> like you just glossed over that. That's, you know, a big like it was a Tuesday at the uh, at the Wawa. Right. All right. So go ahead. <laughs> So um, at the White House, go ahead. <laughs> at the, at the, and, you know, what makes me think of it is because, again, I'm very fortunate that, that the work has allowed me to have many unique experiences, again, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. But I invited the before the White House a few years ago, and uh, it was for Easter, and there were – you know, I always remember there were there there was, and as a magician, we had, had to go through a whole secret service process I'm sure. where they had to inspect everything, and there was a whole list of things I couldn't do, like no fire in the show, no this in the show, and there were actually people on top of buildings with like weapons. Thank you, right you know, now. For that because the president was going to be there, and right. so you know, and uh, after the show, backing everything up, and. Uh, Locked the keys to my suitcase in the suitcase itself, <laughs> and Secret Service offered to shoot the lock off for me. So there's there, there's there's a there's a memory of of uh, yeah, a crazy uh, on the road story for you that I'll never forget. Look, look, nobody cares about your speaker kit to the trash bag. Get to the Secret Service shooting the lock off of your uh, of your of your uh, kit there. That's what I want to hear. About. Well, well, one one story, one story. I wanted to show the the, 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 the amount of work and the determination. And one story, I just want to share a crazy experience. So you get two for the price of one. Yes, so so I. I just I, you just ooze it's like yeah you ever meet somebody you know like 
I'm telling this to the audience. It's like you meet somebody who just oozes, like you just can't. They're just Teflon, like boom, boom. He, you know, every he, everything's everything's kind of going to work out. I love that mentality, and I and I and I seriously do love the authenticity. Now, I want to go into our rapid fire section, right? This is just going to be a series of kind of fun questions that we ask you, you you listen to the show so you know where we're going with this just to give some people insight to you know how you run your business and you know some fun things about you nine questions you're going to give me the first answer that comes to your head are you ready i'm sweating it out over here <laughs> pc or mac oh pc favorite credit card right now to kind of run your business uh you want me to actually name a credit card yeah, like what? Like what's your can your go to for you know your expenses, your travel, that kind of stuff. Oh, I use several of them, but probably my cashback Visa is probably the one I use the most. Is that Chase or Capital One? Who is that? Uh, I have several different ones. Okay, you're so yeah. funny. We, I don't want the number. I just we we want our audience. We want our audience to know if it's consistently what are they're our. All, they're are also, they, yeah, they're they're also nice and, they, and you know I I, I think, you're a points uh, chaser. Are you a points chaser? Like you will flip cards to get the like you'll get the oh I fly a lot of Delta so let me do that like that kind of thing. No, I, I mean I I don't like change from card, but I have ones that, for the points on the airlines. I have one for hotel points. I have one that's cash back, and depending okay. on I have one for international you work the program. travel. You know, so yeah, so I mean, when okay. we do when we go to Canada, there's one that I'll use. So it really varies, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't. Okay, folks, so nobody run up on Mike Grandinetti and hey, give me that visa you talked about on the uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, actually, if you see Mike and you listen to the podcast, ask him. Say, man, why couldn't you just? Is it which one is? Is it Chase? Is it Amex? Uh I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna send some people after you. So when it <laughs> when it comes to planning your um, schedule, keeping your schedule, physical planner or digital planner? Digital for sure. What's your favorite software? Like what, what's the thing that you can't, if it was broken or down or wasn't working, you'd be like panicked, like software wise. Oh man, I am so old school. Uh, <laughs> you ready for this? You sitting down? <laughs> no, it but is, go ahead. <laughs> everything I put together is I'm a list guy. I'm a list guy. Okay. I make lists on everything. And to okay. do that, it's plain old Microsoft Word. That's okay, all so, I, so I, if I Word was down, you're like, yeah. Yeah, and Excel. And Excel, I'm a spreadsheet okay. guy. So everything I do you, is run off my list. You're actually, I had somebody on, I'm trying to think of who it was, that their answer was Excel. It was like, yeah, Excel's my jam. Um, so I could appreciate that. Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? Neither, because yeah. Yeah, I don't drink coffee. I don't, you know. Um, drink yeah, tea, no tea, I, I, no I, caffeine. You don't have caffeine, no. though. No caffeine, so I'd be the guy sitting watching everyone enjoy all that stuff. So you're like water with lemon. Correct. Okay. <laughs> no, no ice. No, no ice. Uh, of yeah. course. I mean, you got to go all the way if you're going to do it. Well, and that's a little speaker trick too, right? The, the the room temperature water versus the the cold water and what it does to your throat. So I get that uh, completely. The cold water will completely mess up your yeah. vocal cords. For, for sure. sure. Thank you, card, or thank you, email. Thank you, email. Okay. Because and obviously because I've had thank you cards not show up in the mail, and I know yeah. the email is going to get through. What's funny? I want to tell you as a trend, like fifty, sixty episodes into this thing, every single person who says 
thank you email has this guilt that wanes over them and every <laughs> single person follows up their answer with about a thank you email with some story about why they don't do cards or how they wish they did or it never fails i just gonna tell you no matter anybody who's like thank you because we all know like the thank you card has this whole personal nature to it. But anybody who's being honest and they're like, yeah, Corey, you know, thank you email, but I really want to start doing more card. Like this all, it never fails. There's always something behind it. And you kept that streak alive, but that's a new one because uh, yeah, I don't send cards anymore because people told me they didn't get them. I have not heard that one before. I got to tell you. No, it's, it's, it's true. And I think it's very I believe important. you. Yeah, it's very I important. I, I, thank you cards and thank you letters are very, very important. I want to make sure that they get through when it comes to learning and reading uh, are you hardcover tablet or audiobook hardcover all the way what's your next big goal wow keep uh, i would say if i had to name one it's yeah. it's television it's to continue pursuing um uh more great more television yeah Okay. More more, more exposure for magic on television of what we do, and then after that, uh, residency, um, you know, for several months at a fixed uh, fixed location. Last question: One day with any mentor who's still alive, who would that person be? Wow! Oh, geez. I would have to say that is okay. <laughs> I would love to sit down with you and pick your brain. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> Dude, that's easy. No, no, no some, but, but something, it, but it, something it, more unattainable. I love no, you. No, it, it, it. it's the truth because, you know what, I think you and I, in talking to you over the past hour, we're, we, we're, we're more similar than I even thought. Mm. And, and you're out there doing what you want to do, and you're going in all these directions, and I would love to hear – uh, and learn from what your specific story was. And I mean that sincerely. Mm. Well, we'll make that. Well, that that's done. I mean, usually when somebody tells me something, I, I, I call out to the universe and I say, hey, bring this person in. But I think I could probably personally make that make that happen for you. And I'm flattered that, that you would say that because I know you have access to a lot of people. All right, final segment today. It's time for entrepreneurship trivia. Now, this is an opportunity for you, Michael, to um, whether go in the uh, Hall of Fame or the Hall of Shame uh, for getting the question correct on the show. Now, it's multiple choice, and it means you've got a 33% chance of getting it right. Are you ready? Uh-oh. I'm really sweating it out. All right. I'm and then, out. because I so desperately want you to go into the Hall of Fame just because you're, I just love your whole energy throughout the, your, your whole optimism <laughs> is so great. I, I really uh, want to see you make it, but let's see what happens. Well, I mean, it's not my decision. Give me, give me an easy one. <laughs> well, uniquely, my wife who does the questions, she only left one on here for me to ask you. So I don't have the luxury. <laughs> I used to have two pages worth, uh, but she's gotten, um, more indignant in her uh, desire to make me ask the ones she wants. So here we go. Who said the following? So it's a quote. So that's a good one. So not a hard stat. It's a quote. Who said the following? You have to put in many, many, many tiny efforts that nobody sees or appreciates before you achieve anything worthwhile. Here are your options. A, Dale Carnegie. B, Brian Tracy. Or C, Gary Vaynerchuk. 
which of course assumes you know who all those three all three of those people are. Oh, that that that's a tough one. Um, okay, Here's and I can read it again. Me. You can you can phone you can well not phone a friend, but I can read it again or or, or anything you like here for for a moment if you need. Here's what I'm going to go with, uh, and that's a great that's a great uh, you know saying, and it is so true. I seem to remember this. I could be completely wrong, but I, it, it sounds so familiar to me, and I did read Dale Carnegie's book back in college. So I'm guessing that because it sounds so familiar to me, I got to go with A. Is I want to make sure that's your final answer. You Do you want me to read it one more time or give you your options again? Just anything. I want to make sure are you're... You, are you anything here that I should change? <laughs> that I should change? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know yeah. who all three of those people are? Because uh, your mind I, may I, discount the people because you don't know, you don't uh, immediately know who they are, right? I know the names, but I'm not, you know, fully, uh, you know, aware of all of their work. Okay, I'm going to read it to you one more time just to give you a chance. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I want to give you every opportunity. Uh, you have to put in many, many, many tiny efforts that nobody sees or appreciates before you achieve anything worthwhile. Dale Carnegie, Brian Tracy, Gary Vaynerchuk. Final answer. All right. I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to change my answer to B. Brian Tracy? Final answer. Michael Grandinetti, welcome to the Hall of Fame. That is the correct answer. <laughs> well, <laughs> well I, you know what? I'm certain I, I'm going to get comments that I – Thank that you. I, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for willing me in that direction. I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, people are going to be so – I didn't do anything. I did not tell you the answer. I just gave you – I have given – I have reread it and given other people those questions too. Sometimes I'm doing it to throw people off, uh, but I really want them to think about it. But uh, I'm thrilled that you have got the answer correct on the show today. Michael, how can people – I know you're on tour right now. I know you're going out of tour. Yeah. Um, I can't – I don't know exactly when this is going to air, if you're still on tour or not, but tell people how to get in touch with you and find you and connect with you. Cause it's definitely a show folks. I haven't been a part of it. It's definitely a show that you want to see for sure. Well, and I appreciate that Corey very much. So my website is michaelgrandinetti.com. Big long Italian name. Uh, not that hard though. So michaelgrandinetti.com. Uh, and then social media, I'm on Facebook under Michael Grandinetti. Instagram under Michael Grandinetti. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Grandinetti MG. So, and we post our tour schedules uh, and, our, and our upcoming shows as soon as they're scheduled on all of our social media. Uh, and the website has a ton of background material and videos and photos, and you'll see Corey in one of the photos. Um, <laughs> so check out all that stuff. And then I always welcome people to connect with me. And if, if anyone has any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And we're on tour right now through the end of April, the very end of April, all over the country. And then we start up again in the summertime, and we're having dates being added now throughout the summer and into the fall, um, and even some 2021 dates that are, that are um, about to be announced shortly. So by all means, I hope everyone, everyone can get in touch, and uh, we'll keep you posted. Man, Michael, thank you so much for joining the show today. Corey, this was so much fun. Thank you for having me on. This has been, you made an hour and a half just disappear. <laughs> it was fantastic. Thank you so much. As I close out today's episode, I'm asking that you subscribe to my podcast to get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review. And if not, just keep it to yourself. And if you've heard something today that 
you think can help someone you know, then I encourage you to share it. Finally, if you are a business owner that is ready to become a fearless entrepreneur, then head on over to my website, fearlesswithcorey.com, to learn more about the most comprehensive business growth support system for entrepreneurs on the planet. I'm Corey Mosley, and this has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week. Thank you.